people in a church building. This is like the first time. I, we've been worshiping. My wife is pastor in Downey, um, and we've been worshiping outside. There's a sprawling front lawn uh, that they have. And so we've been there, and one of the great privileges of Southern California is being able to do that year-round and just kind of adjust the time of the worship beginning a little bit. Um, but, you know, being in a sanctuary, this just is nice. I'm glad to be with you. Um, I'm a little bit sad for the occasion that brings me here, because um, if Tobin were still here, it would mean that I would not be. Um, but given that we are in the situation that we are in a variety of ways, it's a privilege to be among you, and I'm grateful for the chance to um, worship with you and also hopefully bring a good word from um, the wider church. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. That's the one that I normally work out of. It looks like you all are um, New International Version people. That's fine. Um, if you want to follow along and sort of compare how the translations work, that's great with me. Or if you just want to listen, that's okay too. But whatever you do, listen for God's Word speaking to you. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. The word of the Lord. And then from the New Testament, Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16. And once again, listen for God speaking to you. All of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance, they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Also, the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy God, we ask that your word written would be our authority, your Holy Spirit our teacher, and your greater glory, the thing that matters more to us than anything else in the world. Speak through me as much as possible. Speak in spite of me as much as necessary. But whatever happens, God, please speak, that we may know your will and be your people. Amen. Our lives are unsettled. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Some of you may know that my wife and I suffered a house fire in early April, just about two months ago. Um, 
here's basically the gist of the fire department report, 20 pages boiled down into one paragraph. One of the neighbor's pet cats chewed through an extension cord in their shed just next to our property. The cord was live. It electrocuted the cat. The shed caught fire. And then by the time we awoke, the shed was fully aflame and the fire had moved into their house and was licking on the rafters of ours, blistering the stucco, and eventually it blew in the windows on the one side of our house next to the neighbors. So we have serious smoke damage throughout. We were lucky. The neighbors were lucky. The cat wasn't lucky. But the firefighters came in less than five minutes of the 911 call. And so everybody except the cat got out safe. But our lives have been upended over the last 10 weeks. We spent five weeks in hotel rooms, and now we're in a temporary apartment. All of the contents of our house have either been declared a total loss or they've been carted off to some unknown warehouse where they're going to be cleaned and then eventually come back to us, we assume. And based on advice from more experienced people, it'll probably be mid to late fall before we're back home. Add this then to last year's pandemic and the out-of-office work-from-home order that we had, and you can hear that my life is rather unsettled. And so I was, as I was thinking about what to say this morning, it occurred to me that in different ways, you and I might be in a similar place. I would not be surprised that here, to hear that you are unsettled too. As a church, you've just recently said goodbye to a pastor who's been with you for years. And you're wondering what's going to happen next. So if you're anything like the average church in a transitional period, you're probably feeling quite up in the air. You're feeling unsettled. And that may not just be about the church's transition. I expect that after this last year, that feeling comes much more personal than just what's it going to be like when we get our new pastor. Maybe you're somebody who has lived in the shadow of COVID. Maybe somebody close to you tested positive and you'd wonder what was going to happen to them or what would happen to you if you caught it from them. Maybe it wasn't COVID, but your life was still upended by a medical diagnosis. Maybe you're now in the midst of treatments and wondering what life will look like when they're done, or if you'll ever get your normal life back. Or maybe it was the economic shutdown. Maybe you've been unemployed, and you're wondering how long until you get another job. Or maybe you still have your job, but you've heard the whispers of, we don't have the budget for this. And those whispers are starting to keep you awake at night. Or maybe it has nothing to do with the pandemic. Maybe it's the upheaval in the news. Or maybe it's the upheaval in your family that nobody knows about. But whatever it is, I'm guessing that the majority of folks in the room today, myself included, 
are waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're waiting for the moment when things get settled again. Your life, my life, the life of this church, we're living unsettled lives. And if you're much like me, you probably don't like being unsettled. It's not a good feeling. Human beings are most at ease, most at home, when the routines of our life are just that, routines. I cannot think of how many times in the last year and a half I have found myself saying, I just want life to be boring again. Can you feel that? If you want evidence of our attraction to routine, just think of one of the most ordinary experiences of worshiping in a sanctuary, having a visitor sit in your pew. Now, before I was a church bureaucrat, and I've been doing this for basically about a decade, I was a pastor for about 20 years. And one of the things that as a pastor I tried continuously to do was to get people to move to make room for newcomers, right? Just scoot over or come a row up and let there be space so that somebody from the outside can feel like they have a place to sit without that awkward sort of climbing over half of the middle of the pew. But when I came to the presbytery just a little less than eight years ago, I had an experience that made me a little more sympathetic with regular worshipers. I would go from church to church visiting to get a feel for what worship was like in that place. And for each church, one of the things that I wanted to do was just kind of get the face of the church out into the rest of the presbytery so people could see that they weren't by themselves. So I would take pictures from my pew to the chancel saying, hey, this is what worship looks like in Placentia. This is what worship looks like in Fullerton. This is what worship looks like in Irvine, etc." right? Guess what I noticed after about six months of doing that as I started flipping through those photos? They were all from the same angle in the sanctuary. I had been sitting in the same pew in dozens of different churches. I can only wonder how many people were displaced from their normal pew by the fact that I showed up that day. So the pastor in me wants you to make room for people even from your comfortable space so that they can be a part of your church too. But the creature of habit in me knows what it's like to like a pew. And if a moment as small as being bumped from our favorite seat in the sanctuary is unsettling, then you can imagine how it must be to have your whole life out of control. If anybody knew what that felt like, the Jews of Jeremiah's day knew. They had been uprooted from their land and their temple. They had been taken away to a strange country with strange neighbors who worshiped strange gods. They were subject to steady pressure in Babylon to act like those neighbors and worship those gods, even to trade in their own god. 
uprooted, disrupted, torn away from the place where they knew how to worship God, they began to wonder whether they should just stall for time until they got back to their home and their temple, until life settled down. But in that space, God spoke to them. God didn't wait until they got home to give them a new word. God didn't need a priest in the temple to tell them what they needed to hear. God spoke to them in the time they were in, in the place they were found, in circumstances that they didn't want to embrace. God spoke to them then and there. And in that word, God told them not to sit on their hands until circumstances changed. God told them to fully weave their lives into the place they found themselves. They were to build homes and live in them. They were to plant gardens and harvest from them. They were to have children, and did you hear that? And grandchildren. They were to have children who would then grow up to have children in their, of their own in exile. And they were to do that as though this was their home. And all the while, they were to work for the good of the place where God had put them, right here, right now. So even in the disruption, even when things aren't back to normal, God calls us to be about the work of the gospel. But let me develop that one step further. Let's talk about Hebrews for a minute. That call on our lives the call to be faithful while our lives are disrupted, that call is maybe only half of it. Because in some important respects, the way the Bible sees it is that our entire Christian life is one of being unsettled. From the day we receive Christ until the day we enter into Christ's final glory, our lives are away from home. That's what the writer to the Hebrews was saying. And so that his hearers would not grow discouraged, he reminded them that all the great believers in the past had lived unsettled lives. The great people of faith went their whole lives without seeing those promises fulfilled. They all, from Hebrews, died in faith without having received the promises. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. The role models of the Bible went their whole lives without settling down. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, all these people knew that their true home wasn't found where they were, but where God was. And so they lived and worked and worshipped and waited faithfully wherever they found themselves. Their fundamental orientation was that as long as they were on this side of the grave, they weren't yet home. And if your reaction is to being 
temporarily unsettled is like mine. I wonder if we're missing something. I worry about myself. I find myself thinking that we go through a lot of life assuming that being settled down is normal. That being unsettled is the exception that I need to get through in order to get back to normal. And so when the displacements come, whether it's a retired pastor or a medical diagnosis or a house fire, we assume that life is on hold and it'll resume when we're not displaced anymore. But the writer of the Hebrews is saying that for people of faith, what's normal is waiting for our home. Every now and then we get a glimpse of what home, according to God's way, looks like. An illness is miraculously healed. A marriage is miraculously restored. A church ministry comes together in perfect synchronicity that sends chills up the spines of the leaders when they realize that they've gotten it. The glimpses come. But those are glimpses. They're not the norm. Christians in the world are like Jews in Babylon. We're away from home. And here, away from that secure routine, out of place, and a little afraid, or maybe a lot afraid, here we hear God's call to get about the work of living in faith. So when we're uncomfortable with being unsettled, that discomfort is telling us something. It's telling us that this is not our home. And the discomfort is also giving us a choice. We can put our lives in a shoebox on the shelf until things get back to normal. Or we can live by faith, trusting God with the circumstances in which he's put us, right here, right now. So, I'd urge you, don't settle. Don't wait for things to settle down before you faithfully follow Christ. Let even this be a time when you discover together as a church the good work that God has for you to do. And then stay unsettled. Keep reminding yourself that this world as it is now is not meant to be one with which we grow too comfortable. It's not our home. Keep your eyes instead on the promises that God has in store for us. Because those promises are far better than what we can deliver for ourselves. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for what you do offer. And we acknowledge that like some of the stumble-bumbles of the Bible, 
we try to grab your promises according to our own abilities rather than trusting you to deliver. But we thank you even so that over and over again you push us out of places where we're comfortable in And so we ask that by your spirit, because we sure can't do it ourselves, you would give us the strength and will to live by faith and to trust you and be your servants as we find ourselves where we find ourselves right now. Amen.